Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Alive for More, a dialogue with Catholic young adults produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire the universal call to holiness. And now, Alive for More. Welcome back to Alive for More. My name is Father Nick Ventura, and I am joined in the studio by Trisha Schweinfurth, Kelly Yarmish, and Kayla Walton. But before we begin, can we go ahead and start with prayer, Kayla? Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the gift of your love and your peace. Lord, I pray that you may just give us the ability to truly live for you, to remind us that heaven is our home, and that this world is just temporary. Lord, I pray that you may just give us wisdom and grace to truly be the saints that you have called us to be. Amen. In the name Amen. Of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Kayla. So one of the things I feel like I often struggle with, I feel like I've been starting a lot of shows off that way. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> it's, it's, like it's, basically yeah. it's like the Father Nick struggle show. No, no, kidding, no, 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 no. We'll not do that. Um, but I, I, I think I think Christians look at are supposed to look at this world as something different than just, you know, this is it but rather look towards the fact that Christ has set the path before us, that we are living for heaven and not for this world. But what does that mean? Does that mean we're looking for a pie in the sky? Or does it mean that we don't care about things here? Or does it mean, you know, sanctifying every moment, you know, being in the present? What is it, I I guess, when you hear living for heaven, what does that resonate in you? Yeah, so I... um, I was with the Carmelites for a while, and when I was there, we had, like, these studies, and um, we would take classes once a week where we would read, like, different um, encyclicals or different, you know, stories of the saints, and one, we were talking about, like, the beauty of the habit, okay, so, like, so a sister who was, like, dressed in a full habit, and they said that, um, that being dressed in a full habit helped them to be eschatological witnesses, and I was like, oh, like, what does that mean? And when I learned, like, what the word eschatological meant, like, aiming towards heaven. Say that five times fast. Right. <laughs> eschatological. Eschat- that's uh, really no, tricky. Don't do that. Nope. Not going to. So what to. does it mean? So, it, like, um, eschatological is, like, aiming for, living for, being aware of heaven, right? Isn't mm-hmm. that, like, directed end toward. End times. Yeah. yeah directed, directed towards the end times. The directed towards heaven. Exactly. Yeah. And so when I was thinking about that, I'm like, man, like, that's what we're called to be. Like, we're called to be Christ to others. We're called to love of others but really we're called to be witnesses of the goal you know the end goal we're supposed to be eschatological witnesses like the you know a witness of what our hope is and that's heaven when i was learning how to drive my dad uh, my my dad and i got along better when i was learning to drive than my mom and i did which i think is probably Shocking. normal for girls oh, oh. Yeah. i think i think it just depends on your parents <laughs> And depends on the person learning to drive. I don't know yep. about that. <laughs> okay. My I mom think, and I just I went through drive-thrus My dad was, oof, <laughs> real strict. All right. Okay, so, clearly Kayla and anyways. Kelly disagree on that. Anyways, My mom point. called me Cindy when oh. she was teaching me. It's another story. Um, okay. It was I'm just so that we wouldn't now. fight. Okay. So she pretended I was somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I kid you not, we laugh about it to this day. So um, <laughs> when my dad was teaching me how to drive, one really helpful lesson that I want to impart to my little girls who are trying to learn how to ba- ride a tricycle on a balance bike um, that was hugely helpful to me is look forward, not down. Because if you look right in front of your car, you'll swerve within the lane. 
But if you look far forward to where you're going, you stay much straighter on the course. Mm, love that. Um, I don't know that that was supposed to be a life lesson as much as a driving lesson. But, so good, but though. It's, it's very eschatological. Yeah. Look um, forward. Yes. Look forward and not down. So, um, you know, I guess our swerving in the lane would be, you know, disordered priorities mm-hmm. or um, being reactionary. You know, things like mm-hmm. making somebody else's emergency your crisis kind of thing when you're looking forward instead of down mm-hmm. you can you, kind of see the you can see the goal yes. and say this is where i'm going this is where i'm going and everything is more likely to fall or even be jammed into place mm-hmm. um and and i think that we will live better if we try to live eschatologically looking forward mm-hmm. to heaven good use of that word yeah mm-hmm. things will seem smaller maybe too yeah and like the right things as, yeah well, in you know, I you you definitely do notice if you focus downward, you're you're you swerve back and forth because you know you see every little little bump in the road and you're trying to avoid all those little bumps. But if you're looking up, so looking down, you're aiming. Looking up, you're driving. Yeah. So Ooh, um, yeah. you're you're going towards a goal and not just like aiming at something. Um, and I, I guess that's how I took. That's that's mm-hmm. one of the like looking forward. I, I just had this conversation with my dad. You know, we were in rush hour. I had to pick him up. He dropped off his car somewhere and mm-hmm. said, "Look ahead at traffic so you don't get stuck." And I'm like, "Dad, it's okay. We're in rush hour. It's going to be." <laughs> Father, what do traffic we do everywhere. though when um, we're looking ahead and the future seems really scary or seems bleak? Like Ooh, maybe Trisha. someone in your family is struggling with something seriously, or you're struggling with a serious sin and you're feeling hopeless. So when you look ahead. It's like, oh, that future. You're looks tempted like, to despair. Yeah. Well, you know. How do we live eschatologically in those moments? Well, I think oh. in, the, like, in those particular moments, we may not be actually looking. We're still looking down. Mm. Um, we're not actually, if we're, if we're just seeing, as Christians, because if we believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord conqueror and the, the King of kings and Lord of lords, we know that his goal is heaven, is being in union with him. That is the goal we're driving towards. But if we're just looking you know, just what this world has to, the future of this world only offers death. You know, I often say in my homilies, you know, 10 out of 10 people die. <laughs> um, they're the only way out of this is by dying. Mm. And so if we focus on that, then yes, it'll be dark. Yes. We'll be, you know, consumed by the anxieties and worries of this world. But if we look up and see Christ conquering and restoring all things unto himself, then we even see those that that darkness ahead as being a part of the redemption, as being brought in and transformed. To know that God is fighting for you, like that not only he's fighting for you as as like the one doing the fighting, although you mm. have to participate, mm. but he's fighting for your heart and he wants you there with him. And we already know who wins. You know what I mean? Like, which is one of the silliest things about Spoiler sin. alert. Yeah. It's like, we already know who the winning team is. Like, mm-hmm. it's pretty ridiculous to sin. But, you know, we do it every day. Yeah. Well, th- this kind of gets in the whole point. Whenever I have a presentation on the book of Revelation that mm-hmm. I do in parish, it's a four-week sort of thing. And I the th- I don't focus on necessarily, like, one of my big points is that this is not a game plan book. Mm-hmm. The book of Revelation is not a playbook. What it is, it's a message of hope saying, no matter how dark it is, no matter if even the world seems to be sprouting demons that mm-hmm. have seven heads and going to consume you, mm-hmm. Christ still conquers. Yeah. It's a yeah. message of hope to a despairing people who do not see that Christ is coming back. Look up, look up. 
look yeah. up. Kind so of that, that's, yeah, yeah, if you yeah. could sum up the book of Revelation, it's look up, see Christ even in this moment. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, kind of going back to what Trisha says, like when I'm actually, I think, so my favorite Bible passage was Matthew twenty eight twenty. But now I like really think that I'm going back to like, see, I make all things new. Wait, mm-hmm. and what's Matthew 20? Uh, hold I'm with you always until the end of the age. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so anyways, with that, like, see, I make all things new, like understanding that for our loved ones who are hurting for, you know, whether it's with physical ailments or mental illness or whatever it is, like our Lord is going to make that new, whether it's on this earth or whether that's in heaven. And I think, again, kind of going back to that message of hope of like, okay, like we have to look forward because if we stay in this moment of like, this is where they are, this is what they're struggling with. And, you know, like we we have to look forward and it, with that looking forward, there's that fear of like, okay, maybe the, it won't be the outcome that I wanted or the mm-hmm. outcome that I hoped for, but ultimately like he's going to make it new, whether we see it in this life or whether we understand it in the next. And I think that is where like eschatological comes in and mm-hmm. it's, it's like hope on steroids huh. and uh, hope on ste- eschatological. I like eschatology is hope on steroids. Oh my God. I like yes. that phrase. I don't know if that's <laughs> theologically correct. It, it may not be, but that's okay. We like it. Cause you know, this is a life for more, which is what you're listening to. <laughs> well, on, correct me. I do not want to be. Incorrect. <laughs> you're not as of right now. You're not incorrect. Maybe later okay. when we listen to the show, but you're listening to a live for <laughs> more on St. Gabriel don't Catholic radio. Correct. You can hear us Saturdays at seven or Sundays at three 30 or online on demand at St. I am Father Nick Ventura, and I am joined in the studio by Kayla Walton, Kelly Yarmish, and Trisha Schweinfurth. Um, we're talking about the living for the eschatological, or in other words, living for heaven. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've been talking about. All right, you know, Trisha brought up kind of a good point. We've been discussing. You know, what if we look to the future and all of it is is dark? Mm-hmm. So this might be a beginning. Uh, depressing uh, kind of uh, encounter that I've had. But often when I have a hard time, I do this exercise like, what is the absolute worst thing that can happen? <laughs> I do that. <laughs> you know, you know. okay, let's play the scenario out. What's the worst thing that, I, that mm-hmm. can happen? Mm-hmm. And then what? So the worst thing happens, and then what? Mm-hmm. And so in some cases, you know, if, the worst case scenario, and I'm not saying this is actually a real reality for me, but if the worst case scenario mm-hmm. is that I die, then it's not my problem anymore. <laughs> you know, it's. Yeah, and, I, I, and, I definitely. So, Father, yeah. I, you know that I will love you always and you know that I trust you always. I think, though, with that, like mine goes to like my mind goes to the worst of the worst of the worst. Like, what if. You know, like the worst is I die and then I don't make it to heaven. Like Mm. that is like where my mind goes. So I think that's also where we need to like have surrender come in and be like, okay, I did not go there. And I guess, and I guess that I'm not saying go like abandoning Christ. I mean, what's the worst that can happen with me Mm -hmm. as a disciple of Christ? You know, that kind of worst, you know, the the kind of worst that the martyrs would experience, you know, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. These trials might try me but i i have christ as my victor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or we don't have to even be that intense yeah. like, <laughs> I was just you know thinking, Whoa, like we're getting real dark <laughs> no here. not that intense or he it, said victor so yeah vic- it's serious it how is that i'm like okay. you're just being yeah you're just being kelly that's great <laughs> um the so in a less intense situation like if i'm struggling with trying to reach somebody is the worst mm-hmm. thing is is they walk away yeah yeah 
And it's like, well, Mm -hmm. they've walked away. I don't have to walk with them if they want to get away. I can stay here with Christ and Mm -hmm. he can figure it out. I am not the savior of the church. He is. Mm -hmm. So I think ideally, um, you know, I kind of want to give a nod to and somebody correct me if this is, you know, unclear or or anything. But I think feeling we have to let ourselves feel our feelings and not let them be forbidden. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that. As living eschatologically calls us to not feel one thing or another, whatever it is, anger, Correct. sadness, anything. Um, but I do think we need to invite God into all of that. Yes. Invite God into the mire and into the mess and into the pit. Right. And, and ask for that resurrection that Kayla was talking mm-hmm. about. And so it's hope on steroids. Yes. But that doesn't mean you're not allowed to feel sad if you're Catholic. <laughs> sure. Right. And w- yeah. And this is something that is very, very healthy for a human person. We can have our emotions. We can have our thoughts. Yeah. But the beauty of free will is that they don't have to control us. Mm-hmm. We can experience them and say, yep, there it is. Yes, I'm angry. Yeah. Yes, I'm disappointed. But it does not have to change my choice yes. in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think also like living eschatologically means like living with complete trust and kind of going back to like my worst fear of like, what if I don't get into heaven? You know, I like have to trust that ultimately like our Lord is more powerful than I am and like really just surrendering and just trusting. Like, you know, I think that's also another thing that kind of goes with the eschatological teaching is like, you know, if I'm living for heaven, then I'm like trusting so much in him and in all the promises he's made. You know, and I think like we really just need to cling to that like hope and that trust when our own lives seem bleak, when the lives of other people we love seem bleak or when nothing whatever. makes sense. Yeah, when nothing makes sense. Like And the thing that we can change, even in the most despairing moments, is our own virtuous acts. What we do we can change. Like, okay, yes, this moment may stink, this moment mm-hmm. may not be ideal. But I can choose to be virtuous. I can use this moment to rid myself of sin using God's grace. Mm-hmm. I can choose to bring God mm-hmm. into so this. By with, the grace of God. By the grace of God, yes. And so going with that, Father, to go back to something Kayla said at the beginning of the show um, in regards to religious life and um, people who are living religious life who have chosen to wear a habit. And so that habit points to heaven right mm-hmm. so you see someone walking on the street in new york city and you see someone in a habit and a lot of times even someone who's not religious might think like jesus. oh there's a heaven yeah, yeah or that person looks like jesus or is that mary yeah. or you know they're living for something more but we're not all called to religious life two of us are married you're a priest but you you are wearing your collar but um how can we as young adults live eschatologically like that present mm-hmm. to the world even though i'm not in a full habit like, what do you think, what are your ideas? Like, how can we show heaven to other people in an instant without yeah. a habit? Yeah, I think a couple of things. So I'll never forget one, a woman who I look up to wholeheartedly. She um, worked in D.C. and, you know, the, she was talking about how she was a waitress and she, um, like, basically completely messed up someone's reservation and it was Valentine's Day and you know, they ended up having to wait for so long and she was very like kind and apologetic to them. And she had on the miraculous medal and she didn't think anything about it. But in this like very secular environment, she sat the couple down and the woman just like grabbed her arm and was like, thank you for being so kind. I see Mary in you. Whoa. And I was like, 
Oh my goodness. So I heard this about 10 years ago and this had happened to her about five years prior. So this like, you know, has stuck around, but I think, you know, there's something to be said about wearing a religious medal. And, Mm. you know, I know I'm one, I don't have one on right now. I know that I love like the fashionable necklaces and the accessories and all of that. But like, you know, that is a simple reminder. Like as I look around the room, like Trisha, I see your miraculous medal. Like that may trigger something in someone that we may never know, you know, or like a rosary bracelet if you can't wear a necklace or, you know, a rosary ring, or I'm not saying it has to be like, again, a big accessory, but like something that identifies us. Like, how do you feel, you know, when you're in the store, Trisha, if someone were checking you out and they had on a miraculous medal, like in the grocery store line, if they were like checking, you would probably say like, oh my gosh, I love your miraculous medal. Mm -hmm. And that would be kind of like that you know that instant bond and connection and reminder I don't know it was mm-hmm. just my thought it's yeah. funny Kayla because I also remember hearing that story like really <laughs> yeah. yeah and I remember that story and it was something I was going to talk about so obviously oh her witness yeah made an impact on our lives wow yeah I, it's it, I mean <laughs> another thing I feel like we can do as Christians is how often you guys go out to eat and sit at a table and mm. you know it's about time to eat what are we supposed to do before we eat? Yeah. Say jumping grace. Jacks. You know, oh, right. offer. Say yeah. Yeah. jumping jacks. Jumping jacks? No, not quite. <laughs> say grace. I mean, you may have to do that for your kids, Kelly. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, Actually, they're really good in restaurants. But, you know, we, we, we say grace. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we might be afraid, especially if we're in a group of friends who may not be, mm-hmm. you know, as as strong a practicing. We just like do a quiet sign of the cross and, okay, thank you, God. All right. Yeah. Now I can right. eat. Yeah. yeah. But rather not being afraid to, you know, not be a performer but you know don't be yes. afraid to make the sign of the and cross and also invite your friends last yeah. night i went out to dinner and i almost didn't like mm-hmm. because usually i just do like a quiet prayer to myself and it, my friend who was with me was like do you want to pray and i was like yeah yeah i do actually you know <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and it just like called me on because i i wouldn't have done that mm-hmm. read the room like mm-hmm. as i think abby johnson says guys don't be weird like yeah. in the way that we witness like read the room like yeah. and I think everybody kind of mm-hmm. knows what that means in their own situation is just, you know, take a look around, mm-hmm. look at the people around you. What will they understand? You know, like to mm-hmm. the like if you're mm-hmm. going to be like, hey, will you do a rosary with me real quick before we eat this appetizer? Like they'll be like, yeah, right, I don't no, want to. I don't. No. Uh, <laughs> Even no, most like, Catholics will go, no, no, I want to eat. Um, but but yeah, like you know, who are you with? Like, what do they love? What is your relationship? Read the room because it might be somebody who is like, yeah, I do want to pray with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and sometimes that means taking a risk. Somebody I don't know super well. Mm-hmm. Recently, we were having this heart to heart and we went deep quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was a situation I was like, do you want, do you want to pray together? And she was like, yes. And oh. like, and I was like, all right, boom, here we go. Like on yeah. my porch. And like, and, yeah. but read the room, I guess. And then, and, and, and read the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because, you know, you're going to be called to be a little uncomfortable, but also, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like you get prompted, but you know, just yeah. those, as kind of Trish was asking, it's not necessarily maybe not, um, willful choices to be up, but just these mm-hmm. actions that we yeah. can take, um, what we say is important. How we say things is important mm-hmm. too. Yes. You know, I was out with some priest friends out at a baseball game and, 
you know, we were just talking in our in in our seats, and someone leaned over. Are you guys priests? And we weren't dressed in collars. We were just <laughs> yeah, civvies. We were we were in jerseys and in shorts, just watching a baseball game. And someone said, "Are you guys priests?" We could just tell by the way you were talking, and oh, just funny. and we were like, oh, "Okay, yeah, I'm glad we didn't." <laughs> like actually, yeah, actually we are. What did yeah. the answer? But no, like, yeah. This is something little, but um, something someone taught me to do is I used to be a runner. And um, when you run big races, like, you know, you're running for two hours straight and someone's always going to be behind you to wear like a Bible verse on your shirt. Because oh. like there's going to be so many people looking at your back for like two hours. Yeah. I really want to get it's a, a little thing, but Brick House <laughs> no, in the yeah. City. Does anybody else follow them on Instagram? Brick yeah. House in the City. Well, you no, start. That's not an advertising <clears throat> thing for well, them. It's but... really good. And I want a shirt. OK. Um, <laughs> but also the way that anyway, uh, the way that I talk to my kids. Because I feel like it's easy for a lot of people, self-included, to talk to my kids, talk to another adult through my kid. So, well, normally I don't give you a snack right now, but if you're really going to freak out like that, then here you go. You can have some puffs. Like, okay, just talk to your kid. Like, And I have to tell yeah. myself that. Like, mm-hmm. don't worry about what other people around you are thinking. Just parent. Yeah. And like... Mm-hmm. You know, speaking to them as yeah. human beings deserving of my respect and my love, like, hey, I know that this is hard and I don't want to be here either, but we gotta, we gotta go gotta and I will here. give you a snack in the car. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, even just that, like, and I, I don't know, it's dramatic to say that kids are a marginalized group. They're not. Um, but like to yeah. people who are often not spoken to with love and respect, just talk to them with love and respect. Mm. Um, you know, if you... I guess with Trisha, I know we've talked about, you know, nursing life and things like that. If your patient is, you know, the person that's there who's supposed to be supporting them is not being loving, is not being supportive. You know, I I know that the way that you talk to your patient is you set an example and you love them in a way that they deserve to be loved by virtue of their humanity. And, you know, just the people we talk to, whoever's hearing you, whether you're a priest at a ball game or a mom at cosi or a principal mm-hmm. in a school like take the person who's hearing you whether it's the person you're talking to or the person in earshot take them seriously respect that person yeah I, and i think that's I, a great and we're talking about you know ways that we can show that we're living for heaven you know so we've talked about different ways that we we do that in this yeah. this conversation of driving with a goal not right. focused on what's here but to look at christ and say you're leading me on yeah Yeah. and i think too you know it's really important for us to look at what what is heaven okay so heaven is you know not this mansion not this whatever in the sky but really like seeing our lord face to face okay like that is heaven and so if we think about spending eternity with our lord it goes back to like do we have a personal relationship with him and so that goes back to prayer like you know, if I'm going to spend eternity with him, I want him to like already know me, you know, like I want to already know him. And so I think that like in our own lives, we can look at, okay, how can we live eschatologically, not just as a witness to others, but as like an affirmation to ourselves of like, okay, if I'm going to, if I believe, if I believe that heaven is real and I believe that like my goal is to spend eternity with him, then like, I want to be as prepared as I can be. And that's not just by living a perfect life, but that's by like having a true and lasting relationship with him. And you know, that again, that goes back to like the importance of prayer and and not just like reciting prayers, which are beautiful, but like really talking actually to him. having a conversation with him. Yeah. I mean, you're actually hitting on one of my favorite homilies to give. Yes, is, give it. Um, we have three minutes. No, three minutes. Sum Trust me, that, that's Sum that's almost double the time that I need. Your would love a three minute homily. I <laughs> give 
two minute homilies, so oh, it's really? okay. Yeah, on um, daily mass homilies. Um, Anyways, daily. so heaven or even hell are not something that start when we die. Mm-hmm. They're not places; they are states of being. And so, heaven or hell starts now. We're either in relationship with God Whoa. or out of relationship with God. Whoa. And so, Mike, drop. <laughs> I mean, we. If we live in relationship with God, heaven mm-hmm. starts now. Like, I'm not saying it'll be blissful and happy, but we are in that relationship. We recognize and we see him in these movements. So, you know, when we live eschatologically, we're not waiting for something. Mm-hmm. It's the already here, but not yet. Wow. Um, yep. We are, when we live eschatologically, we live with the sense of like, okay, Christ is here and mm-hmm. I am walking with him and towards him. You know, there, there's, it might be, it seems contradictory, but it does, it transforms you. You know, his, mm-hmm. his grace transforms the now, not the later. You know, it transforms in the moment. Mm-hmm. For later, perhaps, and it can also heal the past, but it's working within the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've had a really good conversation about, uh, you know, the, not necessarily end times, but rather, you know, living for heaven. Yep, you know, yep. are there any final thoughts in the last kind of wrap up of the show? Yeah, like just one thing that stuck with me again for like literally 15 years was um, I was at, you know, a, a camp and the um, one of the counselors was talking to me and she said, you know, like in her prayer, she said, Lord, make us homesick for heaven. And I was like, oh, you know, and that has stuck with me. And sometimes when like I don't understand things or you know, if I feel like kind of far away from the Lord, just being like, Lord, make me homesick for heaven and not in a like, I want to be there right now, but just like that longing, you know, mm-hmm. like when you're homesick, you're just like, man, I just wish I were there. And yeah. like that longing is going to change like how we act and how we interact with others. And yeah, just like make me homesick for heaven. I like that, being homesick for heaven. So, well, you're listening to a live for more on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. You can listen to us Saturdays at 7, Sundays at 3.30, or online on demand at stgabrielradio.com. My name is Father Nick Ventura, and we've been having this conversation with Kayla Walton, Kelly Yarmish, and Trisha Schweinfurth. And right now, we just kind of want to offer this up to the Lord, you know, as we walk uh, in his presence every day, you know, we're, you know, we're not necessarily here forever. You know, all of us is walking towards heaven, walking towards Christ. And so, um, Trisha, would you mind closing us in prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, we just pray for the desire to know you more and more. We pray for the grace to recognize your face in our family members and our friends and our enemies. We pray, Jesus, that we will continue to learn to live for your love. We ask this through your intercession. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Until next time, may God bless you. Alive for More is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Alive for More and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. Yeah.